Hi, this is Dr. Joy. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community. Neighbor to neighbor. It takes a neighborhood. Hi, this is Dr. Joy. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community. Neighbor to Neighbor. It takes a neighborhood. Hi, this is Will Friedle. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, villains, and welcome to For the Love of Farmer Grab podcast. And we're getting closer to the Premier League resumption again. As always, it's us two Irish guys back with you again. It's me, Neil Dunworth, and it's Paddy Kelly as well, the, ch- the chairman of the um, the Munster Irish Line Supporters Club. We're back again today. And today we're basically going to talk to you about the best central midfielders and the best strikers that have played for Villa in my lifetime i.e. since 1985. I, I, I think, Paddy, the one thing that's kind of come out of this is I, I, I presume there's not going to be a Villa fan that's not going to know what age I am. That's probably the biggest thing that's come out of this. Uh, I'm being very, very vocal about what age I am. <laughs> yeah, They also know you can't count to 10, Neil. That's why we're only doing five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a faux pas for the Irish one as well. Yeah, when I had my top nine. Uh, everybody does a top nine, it's a top ten. It's very easy to do a top ten. It's about who you cut off from number ten. Is that that's what? That, so we have to be different. Yeah, that's what starts <laughs> the men from the boys. Exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, so there hasn't been like we've got our, our resumption of the league that's coming up uh, in what in five six days time. Um, but days. this time next week we'll we'll be finished. We will just finish the game this evening, won't we? Yeah, this time next week we'll be um, getting a bit real. 
yeah, <laughs> tipping into a beverage and wondering about what uh, we'll, we'll know. Hopefully, we will have some breathing space from the bottom tree at that stage, and we'll be back out of the bottom tree where we rightfully belong. But we are not there yet, and we're not going to dwell, I don't think, on it too much at the moment. We will have stuff coming up with regards to previews, what we'd like to see um, for this uh, for this long-awaited game, I think, and something that we're, we're really, really looking forward to, to, to football coming back again. Yeah. Well, for now, we have to be... Uh... Content with our Lions Club flag being hung for the match next Wednesday, and yes. look forward to seeing it. And, yeah, Did so. I see that there's a picture of of Rodgers felt looking Paddy Kelly um, going on the mosaic as well? Did I see that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what size the mosaic is now, but uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a picture of me um, attempting to tackle Lee Hendry. Yeah. <laughs> they say attempted because I couldn't get anywhere near him. <laughs> well, you would be the first or the last person, professional or amateur, not to be able to get nearly yeah. entry in his pump. Um, but no, look, as as, as I say, uh, it's that's going to be fantastic as well, having the 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 stadium kind of adorned with with different mosaics and and, and different flags as well. It's a nice idea. It's it's a really nice idea. Did you see anything? I know there was a kind of a petition or a movement for um a stewards uh, alone kind of stewards uh singlet or high vis to be hung on it. And uh, I really like the idea, yeah. the point. Well, I, I, I thought of it was that. a lovely idea. Yeah, very yeah. poignant idea. But uh, these kind of things kind of just are put out there, and hopefully they'll just. Go ahead with it, you know. Hopefully someone does it. I, I, I presume they'd probably ask the family, was it okay? Yeah. They, you know, whatever, whatever happens, I'd imagine it's going to be quite emotional for, for, for Dean and the family next Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So whether they want to heighten that by doing this, I don't know. So um, we, won't, uh, we won't make any assumptions until, until we see. But yes, I do believe it will be a nice, a nice tribute, all right. And it was a really good idea, really nice. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, actually, I, I I didn't even think of that that the, the emotional time that that it would be for for the league restarting again for Dean Smith as well. But uh, yeah, it would be fantastic. Look, and I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, what kind of other uh, I suppose pieces that the the resumption of the, the Premier League throws up from a fan um, interaction side point of view. And and I know that BT have been pumping in fan noise for the Bundesliga recently and it's been well received. I presume it's something like that's going to happen through, you know, through whether it be BBC, Sky or, or BT um, for the resumption of the league. And that's all to be written. That is all to be written and hopefully we're writing some nice words. Yeah. We're speaking some nice words about Aston Villander and the triumphant return because it's about now, well, not now, but it's about this part of the season, should I say, March time is where if we were to go back in time to where we should be, that we went on that 10-game um, run with the Grim Reaper knocking on the door, that that meme of the Grim Reaper knocking on the door of all yeah. those different teams. So wouldn't it be great to have another one of those again and propel us up to safety? And and, and this team has the absolute talent to do so. Um, we played Leicester. We played, since we've been talking to you guys, we've played um, West Brom in a, in a two-game series. And... Gosh, I can't even remember. I've just gone completely blank. What was what were the scores in those? I think it was two all. It was only one game. Two so all. Yeah, two, two all. Two, two all and one nil. Was it? 
I can't remember. Jesus, Re- I'm not completely blank. I had it written down here somewhere and I can't remember it. But yeah, it was too old. I saw Jack yeah. Grealish's goal. Let's, I saw it today. I saw it today, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Peaky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A couple more of those, please, Jack. We'd be delighted. Yeah. With that. Uh, but we played Leicester then as well today. Well, today, yeah, we played Leicester. And, um, Home and away, apparently. Yeah. Seems a bit strange. I'm going to find <laughs> I've seen someone say we won 4 0. I've seen someone say we lost 1 0. Um, I've seen someone say it was only one game. I've seen somebody say that we played two 60 minute games. Um, and I know that you, you've gotten information where it was two games. There was one in the King Power and there was one yeah. in Villa Park. I've confirmed this evening that they played oh, earlier today at Villa Park and then this evening at the King Power. So it's a good run out. Obviously, we've, we've had our fill of Leicester this season playing them four times. So why yeah. not play them another two? <laughs> yeah. Um, but look, look, I suppose you can't really read too much into it. But uh, you know, if you go to less, if you you said we won both games, did we? Apparently, well, that that's the report Apparently I have so. is they won both games with, with two clean sheets. So <laughs> that's not a bad way to uh, to nurse your way back. You mean Inacho didn't score? What the hell is going maybe he wasn't playing? Yeah. <laughs> maybe he was the guy who got the coronavirus in the in, in the Premier League today. Oh and, God! Yeah. Mm. No, it's yeah. just, hopefully it wasn't anybody uh, that, that would be, hopefully whoever has it is, is well looked after. But um, no, that's yeah. good to see. Like all that, those little bits of preparation are going to need those. We're, it's just like we're literally, we're coming to the point of where we're hours away from the from the league at this stage, you know. So it's, uh, yeah. it's something to look forward to. So that's really- and it's, it's strange times to see, you know, as I said to you, I've, I've struggled to watch the Bundesliga since it started. It was a little bit better this weekend when I watched a couple of games but. The, the start of it, I thought, was very pre-season-ish, very testimonial-like. So um, it's no harm to get those couple of games under the belt and get used to the empty stadiums and, and see how we go. Um, yeah, but this time next week, we, we'll know our, our fate Perfect. after that game in hand. So fingers crossed we're talking about being onwards and upwards. And, mm. you know, it'd be like, uh, like having a new sign and having or effectively our one of our best players back in John McGinn so mm. fingers crossed all goes well and we can get the three points on Wednesday exactly he'd be great great addition back there into that central mid- midfield position and just like that what an absolutely fantastic segue from me <laughs> into um, the central midfield position for uh, the greatest team that has appeared in Neil's lifetime since 1985 let's get into it there's been some there's been tons of people that we could have put in here there's so many honourable mentions Um. What we didn't have, uh, what we didn't have in the right wing and the left wing positions that we did previously, we certainly made up for in the central midfield positions and the centre forward positions where we've been. Uh, it seems to be traditionally strong. Um, you know, honourable merchant, uh, honourable mentions here for me would be people like uh, you know, Andy Townsend, Kevin Richardson. Um, there's tons. There really is tons. John McGinn. John McGinn. Yeah, Jesus, it didn't make sense. Yeah. It didn't make my five either. Um, no. there, there's and also one that didn't make, I, I doubt very much he made yours, but I know he didn't make mine, was one that was slightly before both our time, but fell into the bracket since 1985, is uh, Birchie. And uh, I know he's held in really high esteem by everybody that watched him during that time. So definitely um, the late Paul Birch should be given an honourable mention. Yeah. Exactly, but um, and as I say, some of the names that uh, 
some of the name um the names that we have here, you know, there's a nice little blend in there. Uh, well, for my five anyway, and I'm going to start that off. And I've got somebody in there that look I know is a better player than where I have him marked in here. Uh, I know that, but I have to go on what I've seen and in my lifetime played with Aston Villa three times. Um, obviously he was part of the 1982 team, and uh, and and then he's he, he's come back and he's played for Villa twice more after that. Um, and that's Gordon Collins, uh, just a fantastic player, you know, in his day. Uh, the only reason I have him at number five is because, you know, I have to take into account what other people have done the time that I've been alive because that is the only, that's literally the only rule we have for this is is that uh, what they've done after 1985. So um, Gordon Collins for me, I couldn't have a central midfield, a, f- a top five central midfield. And he edged out, uh, he edged out a Paul Merson for me and he edged out Andy Townsend for me. Um, you know, two people that would have would have more of a recency bias, but I just couldn't have it on my conscience that I didn't have uh, Gordon Collins, didn't have Sid in there at somewhere. So Sid comes in at number five for me. Uh, who was your number five, Paddy? Um, I, I, I'll uh, I'll just say that I had Gordon and Collins slightly higher than that. I think we'll, you we'll would, yeah. <laughs> Um, at number five, I have David Platt. Um. I don't hold David Platt in any high esteem. I think he didn't exactly, you know, cover himself in glory since he left Villa and doesn't speak about them too well. Um, but undoubtedly, fantastic player. Um, before my time, really, as a fan playing for Villa. Um, but I suppose you can't you can't put him in there without a without an honourable mention, you know, because. What he went on to do in his career, um, you know, with with the the three Italian teams or four Italian teams, maybe he played for, um, playing for England, scoring at the World Cup. He was a magnificent player, you know, there's no doubt about it. And you know, he played well over a hundred times for us, scoring fifty goals from midfield, which is no mean feat, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just unfortunate that, you know, we don't see him around the place because. You know, he's without a shadow of a doubt go down in the legend status. You know, he was a he was a fantastic player who probably in his career just happened to play for Aston Villa. But for us, mm. we would consider ourselves the team that made him what he is. You know, he was with us when he went to that you know semi final of the, the World Cup playing for England. So, um, I think he owes us a lot. You know, probably a lot of uh medals and stuff picked up there when he was in, in Italy and came back and played a reasonable few years for Arsenal before retiring at Forest. But, you know, 62 caps for England. He's had, he's had a, a, a sensational career, you know, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. He's actually my number four, uh, David Platt. Um, <laughs> and look, as I say, I, I, I'm, I'm well aware that Gordon Counts is a better footballer than, than everybody on my list. I'm well aware of it. It's just what I can equate to what I remember and what I've saw, what I I've seen. Yeah, and that's um, fair enough. Yeah. And David Platt came in at number four, and uh, I, I have a little anecdote. It's not it's it, oh, it's it's very loosely based on, on David Platt, but our, we played a football. We played a, yeah a football match one time, and um, we forgot to bring jerseys. The our coach forgot to bring jerseys, and so we had to wear. Uh, basically, like we were just wearing shirts, t-shirts that uh, that, that we had, but 
we it was like we were 15 16 years of age 14 maybe 15 years of age and we decided we'd swap we wear each other's t-shirts just so we, it would look feel like we were you know putting on jerseys so we all threw them in and one of my mates was a massive arsenal fan and he had a, a jersey and it had plat number four on the back of it and i said lads <laughs> i'm wearing that i'm wearing that david plat and uh, I was playing. I was playing central mid at the time, and I ended up scoring two goals. And um, I scored. I, I won't go into it, but I, I scored one of the best goals I ever scored that day. And since then, I've, your man still has the still has the jersey at, at home, <laughs> and I'm trying my best to get the jersey off him. Just it holds so much sentimental value with David Platt in the back of it. But um, that's not the reason I have an, at him at number four. He was just. He was. He was really, really good player. He was superb. Uh, central midfielder he was exactly what england needed he that like england had a great team in in, in that era and he just made a tick from a, a i suppose a creative sense from the middle of midfield um and and he was just a very very good player look 100 percent, he's gone on he's gone on to be quite an unsavory type of i won't even say unsavory but kind of a narky type of person i think in, in the media since um Never really came across as a very nice person on the on, on the line with uh, with Man City, and uh, you know never really got his his uh, he he never really took to the to the actual managerial game and such. But uh, you know what he did for Villa was absolutely fantastic. You know he just scored for fun from midfield, and mm. um, you know he was the second coming of great players like Gordon Collins, Brian Little, all those kind of guys. You know, he was the next in the conveyor belt for Villa and that in, in, in that in that position. And and for me, I just thought it was fantastic. Who did you have at number four? At number four, I had Garrett Barry. Speaks for itself, I suppose. 365 games for, for Villa in 11 years. And 41 goals. And played in a number of positions. Left back, left midfield. Central midfield, um, probably could have picked them in either or. Um, a lot of people not too happy with him leaving, but I think after giving us 11 years, why not go on and win a Premier League title for yourself? You know, uh, I, I can't argue with, with uh, his motivation for leaving. I will argue with the fact that he you now plays for the baggies, but we won't hold it against him too much. Uh, unless he, unless we end up playing against them in the Premier League next year and then <laughs> back to square one. But uh, yeah, I have nothing but fond memories of Garrett Barry. Uh, smashing player, no matter where he played. Um, obviously, a really good professional, holds the record for the amount of Premier League appearances. Like Players don't play 650 games anymore. Uh, you know, with the exception of his games, the baggies, all of those are in the top flight. He's had an astronomical career without a shadow of a doubt. So, yeah, warrants his place in there for me. Um, yeah, I've got Barry higher. Uh, I've got Barry a bit higher, uh, a bit higher than that, probably controversially so, but uh, yeah, I do. Um, so he was number four for you. Number three for me is uh, Stylian Petrov. Um, he was much more like I could never understand why. There was a certain element of the fan base that thought the game passed him by. And look, I'm going, I'm going to call a spade a spade here that there was there was a, there was an element of the fan base that didn't like him, just flat out didn't like him, thought he wasn't a good player. And then when he had his illness, like people who I remember having having debates with people and 
you know, not not in in a sense of holding on to the receipts to seem virtuous because of obviously the awful illness that Petrov had, but uh, he's gone down to be a club legend. Um, you know, and, and and that's the way he was. He was he was a really good player for the club. He was a fantastic player for the club. It wasn't because he got his illness that he became a club legend. And that's that's kind of what I'm trying to get get through here. It was only the people maybe opened their eyes to how good he was when he wasn't around. And and for me, I have him in number three because he's a born leader no matter where he's been, and uh, whether it was at Celtic, whether it was at Aston Villa. Um, you know, he's come back alone, ill-fated once again. I've said it nearly on every podcast. If that's at any other time with a stable boardroom, with a chairman that knows what the hell they're doing, and um, you know maybe a, a manager that isn't on a short leash, Petrov probably gets another contract that time, even if it's for you know just just to you know for the buoyancy factor of what he would be in the locker room. Um, but mm-hmm. you know he's he, he what he did to 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 even make that small comeback that 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 brief comeback should I say um, God he was a trooper of a man and when he played with Philly he was fantastic and he scored one of the best goals I've ever seen against Derby um, from the halfway line <laughs> what a fantastic goal you know <laughs> but he was he was brilliant he was he was 8 million euros well spent he was Martin O'Neill's only signing in his first year he was Randy, Randy Lerner's first um, splash I suppose really um, at that stage and he went on to be you know to be that unbelievable influence captain fantastic at, at, at times and, and look there's a reason why he's revered around villa park uh, and as i say he was there's people who didn't like him at the time when he was playing but i'm glad that everybody can rally around the fact of how good he was um you know even even though it took something horrible to happen to him you know for, for people to realize that as well so it's still in petro for me at number three okay i despite the fact I've nothing but love for Stylian Petrov. He's not in my top five. Um, he was a different player to the player we signed from Celtic. That may be, you know, something got to do with the standard and the step up from the SPL to the, the Premier League. But at, at Celtic, he was a completely different midfielder. That he was, um, you know, he, he would be the one that was bombing on and getting on the end of crosses and scoring goals. He wasn't that type of player for Aston Villa, you know. Um, he scored 55 goals in just over 200 games for Celtic, so that just pro- shows how yeah. prolific he was. I think, you know, there, there was, a, I remember at the time, one of the first times I saw him, the, the guys around me, the fellas that I know, used to call him the crab because he always went sideways. But the, I, I, as I always say to people, people don't do that by their own choice. Yeah, it's usually the manager, which and he was never that type of player. Even though it was a Martin O'Neill player at Celtic, he's a Martin O'Neill player at Villa. I think Martin O'Neill realized quite quickly he wasn't going to be given the freedom to get into the box the way he he did at Celtic. So, um, while he was a fantastic signing, I don't agree with them calling him a crab. We're all there to to do a job, and if that's what he's told to do, to bring the wide players into it and the fullbacks into it, so be it. And I think that was a staple of the Premier League at that time. The Premier League was very, very um, tactically um, stubborn. You know, it's it, it's only recent years since the influx of you know Mourinho and and even um, you know more adventurous managers that have come into the league, like Pochettino, like uh, like Guardiola, and 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 there's loads more else that have come into the league. But 
like you go back as far as Gavin McCann when he played at Villa, he was known as a crab for just going back and forward and not having any 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 luster to go to um to to bomb bomb on George Boateng. You know, we we could name ten or twelve players, you know, to go down that would have been just that steadying influence in midfield, but none of them could do it as well as Stylian Petrov, I think, as well. And as you mentioned, yes, it is it's it's something that a manager, especially somebody like Martin O'Neill when he came in, because his game was predicated on, on having somebody like that, no matter where he's been. He had him at Celtic, he had Neil Lennon as as um as uh at, at Leicester as Leicester well. Leicester and Celtic, yeah. And at Celtic, um, but but his his tactic was predicated on that, and you know that's not negative either. There's people paying no. eighty million for for crabs like like in Golo Kante and uh, absolutely Makaleli, you know, Makaleli, yeah, hundred percent. You know, and he, he, was, he was ahead of his time. <laughs> yeah, maybe so, maybe so. No. Uh, who did you have at number three, Paddy? At number three, I had one of our own, Ian Taylor. It's. Uh, I have a feeling you have him in there somewhere as well. I have him higher, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, the, like, I mean, I toyed, I toyed with the idea of having him higher as well. Um, only I absolutely adore two guys for different reasons that he, he's at number three. Um, I think we got him for a song. The highlight for me was him scoring at Wembley against Leeds. Mm. I just think that that was uh, that was the highlight of a magical day to to have him, um, a guy who was in with the crowd in '94 as a Villa fan playing for I think it was Port Vale, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and then ends up on the pitch scoring a goal two years later in the in in the same cup final. I think it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I I'll speak about Ian Taylor a bit later because he is he is higher for me. Um, yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so he's at number three. So number two, we come on to number two. Number two, I have Garrett Barry. Um, there's very few players that would have spent uh, more time playing with Aston Villa um, in my lifetime than Garrett Barry. I, I remember the day that he made his debut in a back three under John Gregory um, out of nowhere. Uh, I think it was a Bury he was signed from only about maybe six months previous and uh, made his debut, I think, at, 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 on the left side of a back three uh, for John Gregory. Um, so, I, like, he went from there to playing, uh, you know, left wing, uh, playing central midfield. And, 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 like, he got plaudits everywhere. Uh, for me, Garrett Barry was fantastic. He's got, as you mentioned, he's played over 600 games. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have any point of reference in front of me or anything like that, but I think he's the second highest uh, cap uh, earner in the Premier League, in Premier League era. Um, and, you know, most of those have been with Villa. He's, I would imagine he's in the top five Villa caps of all time. Once again, I don't have any point of reference. I should know this. Um, in fact, I think I got the answer right in uh, in a qu- Villa quiz that was going on at the start of lockdown. But I've <laughs> I've done so many quizzes since lockdown started. I've pushed mem- <laughs> pushed information out the back of my brain that I should know. Um, and unfortunately, that's one of those. But Garrett Barry for me is number two. He um, under under Graham Taylor when he was playing uh, left wing, he more or less you know carried the team on his own. Um, got a lot of England caps. 
uh, central midfield. He could play. For me, he could just. He was just such a steady guy. He was strong. He made the. He made the right. Um, he made the right call every time. You know, whenever he got the ball, he made the right. He, he took the right. The, the right. Uh, the right option. Um, but yeah, like uh, I was. I there's two players that I've been disappointed. Been so 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 disappointed that left Aston Villa in my time. And one of them was Dwight York, and I got over Dwight York in about six hours, but it took me about six days to get over Gareth Barry because of the project, protracted Liverpool stuff. And then going to Man City, I actually felt that he took a step down from going to Man City at the time. How wrong was <laughs> I? Um, but um, I can't fault him for what he did for Villa. He was just... Uh, he was just imperious. He was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. I, I tied with having him in the left wing discussion. I tied with having him in the center half discussion. Tied with having him in the left back discussion. And I went, you know what? If I'm putting him in those discussions, I know he's not going to win. But for me, central midfield is going to win. He's going to come in in one of those two spots. And, and Gareth Barry is in there for me. Yeah. Well, as I said, he's, he's, you're, what are you? A couple of positions ahead of me. Um. Really good player, scored a lot of penalties. Um, very good yeah. in set piece delivery, played in a number of positions. Um, I think he might actually be the number one of the Premier League era for appearances. Could be, no, yeah, I could, I could be wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, model professional moved for medals that we did. We know when he picked Man City, they were gonna <laughs> win medals, but they did. Um, and you know, really, really good career. Would you believe? We hold it against them. They're playing for baggies. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we'll we'll sanitize that out uh, of his of his history. <laughs> Just looking at the appearances, he is top. He is absolutely top. Would you believe that we have four of the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, four of the top eight Premier League appearance makers have played for Aston Villa: Garrett Barry, David James, James Milner, and Emil Heskey. Yeah, are. <laughs> that's there you go. Longevity that we, we signed. Yeah. Obviously, one of our scouts liked longevity at one stage, and that's that was the reason <laughs> for signing players. But uh, uh, obviously, looking down through the lit, oh, well, Gareth Barry is still playing as well, yeah. But James Milner would be the only one that could eclipse him. But he's a good 120 games behind him, so uh, he would want to it's unlikely, yeah, yeah, unlikely. Well, you never know, not impossible, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. he'll come back to us and finish it off. How bad, I take it. <laughs> Take him in the morning. Um, so who did you have at number two, Paddy? At number two, um, the guy with magic in his boots, Paul mm. Merson, the guy that you dropped out at the last minute. <laughs> I, um, yeah, I really it was just for me, he epitomized a magic time from in 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 my time supporting Villa. Um, you know, that run leading up to the FA Cup final in 2000 yeah. to watch the likes of him and Carboni together the on Dublin it was just a, just a magical time but the guy could do absolutely everything his, his feet were unreal he never stopped he ran all day another guy we got at the end of his career which we'd love to see him a bit earlier but you know when he was there he was fantastic and a joy to watch yeah, I, I, I don't like the, I, I look at this list of, of players and I go, 
how can't I fit Paul Merson in there? Uh, and he could be. And this is what I mentioned about this. Is what I said about the centre midfielders and the centre forwards that we did is that uh, like we, we could spend forever. Um, you know, we have tons and tons of honourable mentions uh, for these yeah. positions, and, and we're just kind of proving it now. Uh, but Merson, well, look, that's that's the beauty of it. You know, even when I look back, he played over hundred games for Villa. If, if you if I was to to answer that off the top of my head, I would have said he played half the amount. Yeah, but when he did play, when he did play, he was brilliant. But like I mean, he played over hundred games. Um, another guy with a really good career, you know. I just have such fond memories of watching him play. Yeah, that goal he scored against Everton wasn't it? Wasn't that that yeah. kind of half volley? Oh, I remember. I remember <laughs> that. Uh, yeah, I remember non Villa fans, non Everton fans going absolutely book ape in a pub watching that. And I think it was uh, it was a midweek game as well. She said it was a fantastic yeah. goal, but uh, one of my abiding memories of him was the uh, I think it was the quarter final or maybe the round before that FA Cup run against Leeds and the blood dripping off him onto his shorts. Yes, short. yeah, Carboni yeah. set up Carboni's Carboni hat trick, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, was that was that a trick? Yeah, might have been two. He, he set up the yeah. He was brave enough to to get the ball back across goal for Carboni to finish. Yeah. But the blood dripping off him and he and we were behind the goal in the whole thing. And to watch him trying to go back on <clears throat> when it was blatantly obvious that <laughs> he wasn't yeah, going yeah. anywhere. He was concussed <clears throat> high heaven, yeah. Before, before yeah, yeah. concussion was was a thing, he he had it in spades. Um <laughs> so he comes in at your number two. And my number one is Dean Taylor. And um never I, I think I think when it, when he when he signed for Villa, he signed from Sheffield Wednesday. It was a signing that even passed me by at the time. I it was kind of underwhelmed by it. I didn't know much about him and uh, quickly got to know about him. And I quickly absolutely just fell in love with him. He was my favourite player. I was one of these guys in the schoolyard that used to shout out Ian Taylor as I was kicking people up in the air. I, there was another player I mentioned that I, that I used to do that about as well. I can't quite remember who it was. But uh, Ian Taylor uh, was somebody that... And, and to this day, whenever people will say, Who's the you know name your best Villa uh, eleven? I will mention Ian Taylor, and people would not have a clue who he is. And I think that is just blatant ignorance because he had a fantastic career for Villa. He played very well for Sheffield Wednesday, and you know people should know who he is. That's that's their yeah. fault. I, you can't teach you can't teach respect, and, and people should have respect for Ian Taylor because of the guy he is, because of the player he was. There once again, there was a time there at the start of the. I'd say it was the start of the 2000s as well, where he just went on a run, scoring, scoring, scoring. You know, I think that he scored something like four goals in four games at one stage. And he was just such a driving force. And, and Villa, usually Villa uh, supporters that play for Villa usually end up bringing in the goods, you know. And look, we've been through it with, with, with players so far that we've gone down through it. Obviously, Jack, obviously Lee Hendry, uh, people like Ian Taylor, uh, Mark Albrighton, you know, and, and and I'm sure both of us are going to have Gabriel Gwanahar somewhere in our, in, our, in our strikers as well, you know. But Taylor was, was fantastic. He's a great guy. And for me, he's, he's up there at number one. I, and look, I know he's probably not the best player I've ever seen, but he's definitely my favourite player that I've, in central midfield that I've seen play for Villa and definitely the player I respect the most. So uh, for me, it would be very difficult for me to pick a best team I've ever seen without having him on it. And he'd be one of maybe three players that there would be it would be non-negotiable, I think, <laughs> for my team. 
Yeah. Um, well, like I have him at number three. He'd probably, you know, just about edged out by Paul Merson. Um, he would have been in my my uh, my team, no doubt. But uh, he's I've, I've nothing but good memories about him. He's, he was a really good guy. As I said, he's one of our own. Um, that day at Wembley will live long in my memory. Anyway, that's for sure. Um, he's had a, a good affiliation with the Irish Lions as well. He's been over a good mm-hmm. few times. Um, even going back to the nineties, he came over with the Coca Cola Cup and Hugo Ekiog and Tommy Johnson and and uh, Doug Ellis at the time. Um, we had a really good day in the Burlington Hotel with him, and ever since then, there's there's been a a strong connection. And um, any time he's been asked to come over, he's never let us down. I know the 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 budget probably isn't there at the moment for doing uh Jolly ups like that, but I'm sure he'll be back over again in in the future when we're in better times and um the finances are there to do it. But um yeah, I can't I can't argue with you. I said it's just it's just my uh just my opinion that the I was privileged to watch Paul Merson and he edges him out of mm-hmm. what would be my central midfield partnership. And uh, who did you have number one? My number one is Gordon Cowens. Yeah. Look, he's the best in the list, to be honest with you. But <laughs> as you say, you don't like. I mean, it's it's all about what you remember. Um, when you look back through the history books, I, like he left in 1985, ironically enough, mm. but he did come back twice <laughs> since yeah. then. So, uh, you know, he has to have a place there. He, he played well over a hundred times when he came back. So, um, I, I, I'm blessed to say I've seen him play. Um, particularly in that 93-94 season um, I've also met him a few times lovely guy um, the great picture of him and Stephen outside the whole end um, you know and, and obviously you know our thoughts are with him at the moment he's going through uh, well rough times ahead you know with his health so mm. um, he, he without a doubt one of the best footballers ever the grace Aston Villa for me um, and good luck to him in the future you know it's a, it's a, a tough disease and I'm sure every Villa fan is with him mm-hmm. absolutely and I echo that sentiment 100% um, so I, I've been pretty unwavering and I said listen look it's uh, it's it's Ian Taylor and someone else that we're going to have to pick for this, and I think it would probably be fitting that we would pick your number one and my number one and put them in together. That's probably the fairest way to do it. So Ian Taylor and Gordon Cowens will slot into the midfield, and do you know what? I think they'd work pretty well together. I think they would. <laughs> the, you wouldn't you wouldn't be lacking any industry out of the two of those. And it, look, it's we've gone through some fantastic players: Gareth Barry, David Platt, Paul Merson. But um, look. Uh, cream rises to the top, in my opinion, and, and that's who that uh, you know you'd be hard pressed to find uh, two better midfielders um, in the last thirty-five years to put in there as well from an Aston Villa point of view. We're going to move on to centre forward position, and we could literally spend a week talking about this. And I'm going to try and curtail myself from giving an opinion on absolutely everybody because we've had, like, contrary to popular belief, we've had some fantastic strikers. Um, for me, there's there's honourable mentions in there that like people like Darius Vassell, um, underrated for what he did at Villa. Never really went on and did anything else afterwards. You know, got was was a pivotal part of the English team. Was like more or less the English super sub at the time. Um, 
we've got uh, t- basically tons of uh, honorable mentions. Dean Saunders didn't make my didn't make my top five. Um, you know, we we could go on forever. Uh, we've had we, we've had other other strikers that maybe wouldn't even make top ten, top twenty, but guys that that spring to mind. You know, it came in with good fanfare like uh, Stanley Victor. Um, William Barros, uh, Kevin Phillips came in, you know, scored some pivotal goals. Marcus Allback, I don't think I'll ever forget him for keeping us up that year, you know. So we've had a, a massive array of strikers, um, guys who didn't make my another guy who didn't make my my top five was Juan Pablo Angel, um, you know, fantastic player ahead of his time. Not I, 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 I think the biggest problem with him was that he came to the Premier League in a time where I mentioned we were tactically stubborn. And um, we just couldn't, we as a team couldn't get the best out of him for a lot of the time um, that he was with the club. But uh, he didn't make my top, um, my top five. But let's start. And my number five is uh, bigger than me and he's bigger than you. Uh, it's John Carew. Um, I don't know what hallucinogenic material we spiked Leon's um, drink with to be able to swap him for Milan Barros. But we did. We <laughs> somehow did it and we got the better end of that stick for sure. Um, uh, John Cruz, look, he, he speaks for himself. He, he loves Villa, still keeps on coming back and forth. Seems to have forged a good, a good uh, relationship with the future King of England uh, as well. You know, they're yeah. often spotted together in um, in close quarters, uh, in, in executive boxes and so on. Um, just a colossus, a real good foil for a lot of players. Took to the Premier League. The only thing about... I, 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 I regret about John Crew is that he didn't come to the Premier League uh, sooner because he was 100% made for that league. His strength, his power, um, the fact he could he could play up front on his own if needed. Ah, he's just just a very very good player, and he was exactly what we needed. He was exactly what John, what um, Martin O'Neill needed, and he was exactly the foil for uh, Gabby Agbonlor at the time. So um, John Crew for me comes in at number five. Funnily enough, no more discussion needed. He's my number five too. Brilliant. Yeah, and and I think he's deserving of it because I think he's 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 certainly up there um as uh, uh up there in high esteem. You know, you won't find too many people that would disagree with that. Number four, I have um the late Dalian Atkinson at number four. Um, for me, he was one of the players that when I started following Villa in '92, and I spoke about this previously, but guys like uh, James Milner guys like Ashley Young in, in more recent times it just got me out of my seat and I, I would I was looking forward to watching Villa games because they were playing for Villa and Dalian Atkinson for me was one of those players um, I look forward to watching him watching Villa and I, I was proud to support Villa because he played for them because he had that certain X factor um, obviously you know probably poignantly enough in the times that we're in at the moment Um you know, it's 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 important to remember him, um, considering the way that he he, he passed away, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think I will ever forget that goal that he scored. Uh, that that amazing, amazing goal he scored. Yeah. I don't think I'll ever forget that goal he scored, where your man ran on with the with the, the um, umbrella. With the umbrella. Um, <laughs> he was fantastic. He had absolutely everything, and he played with a smile on his face, and he got a, a great reward I, I was actually gutted when he went to to Sociedad as well 
Um, and I, <laughs> the funny story about that, he was he was gone to Sassy that four months before I had realised <laughs> I thought he was injured back in the day when Match when you if you missed getting an episode or an edition of Match magazine, you completely missed out on certain transfers. Transfer. Yeah, 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 it happened. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so he's gone for about three months or four months now. I only realized they're coming up to Christmas. And I'm like, where's Daylight Atkinson? He must be injured. <laughs> and an older friend of mine told me that I was an idiot that he was after moving to Spain. But yeah, he comes in at number four for me. Who did you have at number four? Yeah, well, I must admit, I, I toyed between Carew and Atkinson and I went with Carew. So he's, uh, he's not in my top five. At number four, I had Christian Benteke. Hmm. Not not everybody's uh, choice, I'm sure. Um, I think we got the best years we could out of Benteke. He was absolutely phenomenal, scored some fantastic goals. Um, disappointed he left, but I don't think we really had a choice at the time financially by the sounds of things. Mm-hmm. Not that we can uh, say too much about it. <clears throat> Didn't play as many games as the other guys, but you know, averaged a goal every second game. Um, as I said, that goal against Man United, the overhead kick, then he scored. Um, Norwich was it the overhead kick? Yeah. Um, absolutely phenomenal for us. Uh, Liverpool and Palace didn't get the that, same out of him that we did. The you game know? he played against um, Liverpool, where himself and Vyman absolutely destroyed him to sunder. That was the Anfield one, wasn't it? The yeah, three one. He was, oh, yeah. he was strengthening his power. I watched that game with with three Liverpool fans, and I couldn't celebrate any of the goals, but I really <laughs> wanted to because uh, they were quite violent about <laughs> losing the Villa <laughs> on that particular day. But, Jesus himself and Agbonahor were unbelievable that day. Yeah, yeah, fantastic player. Um, he's actually number number three on my list. I have him at number three. All right, okay. Um, just a, a complete striker for that period of time. Um, first game he played for Villa where he scored, I can't remember who we played. I watched it. Um, I was out in Spain and... Um, I conveniently convinced my uh, significant daughter, I convinced her to go for dinner at uh, like three o'clock in the middle of the day. (laughs) And I had scouted out, I had scouted out a pub that had the game advertised. And uh, thankfully she was oblivious to me looking at all the sandwich boards outside the pubs uh, and the restaurants (laughs) as I was walking past it. She she thought I was looking at menus. I was looking to see what what games were being shown. but uh, yeah, we watched the game and I thought he was a bit clumsy and the ball bounced off him, but he got a goal. And I think, if I remember rightly, did the keeper come out to try and clear it and kicked it off him and he chased it back in and tapped it into the net. I think it might have been something like that um, was the goal yeah. he scored. But he went on. Look, he was imperious. He was he was mini Drogba at times. He was unplayable. He was really strong. And, um, you know, like gutted that he left. I actually, when he left to join Liverpool... I, I was quoted as saying that he would go on to be the best striker in Europe and um, have a bit of egg in my face after that. But look, I'm glad. I would genuinely he... believe that as well at the time. Um, I don't know what happened. There's confidence between uh, leaving us and starting for uh, for Liverpool. It's just I think... beyond belief. I think Kismet, his agent, has a lot of answering to do for his career. And I think some some players can maybe trust in in uh, in 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 agents and advice a small bit too much. 
And um, look, as I say, we will never know the financial ongoings at Villa at that time. And we maybe needed the 34 and a half million or whatever. But uh, Kismet was uh, was kicking the tires for 18 months prior to that. And I think maybe, you know, that could be something to do with it because, uh, look, agents can be good for you. They can get you a good deal, but they can also turn your head from time to time. And, and maybe it might yeah. be something to do with that. I just don't have any good feeling towards that agent in particular. And the fact that I know his name uh, kind of brings a small bit of infamy because uh, he did... <laughs> he did get caught a lot of times with fake phone calls and things, and he just didn't ever seem to be the, the, the sharpest knife in the drawer either. But look, uh, Benteke was, was my number three. Who was your number three, Paddy? My number three, and I have to admit, I was never a huge fan of number three, but the statistics, the things he did in his career, I didn't think he scored enough goals, missed a lot of chances. Um, but in his defence, we rolled him out every time we played the Blues and he came up Trump. <laughs> so at, no, at number three is Gabby Agbonnahor. Yeah, I don't disagree. I have him higher. <laughs> you have him higher. I figured you might. <laughs> <laughs> like I, ma- I made no uh, earlier, in, you know, in, when we spoke about, I, I, I don't go in for small strikers. I love the big guys. Yeah. You know, I love the likes of John Carew and, and, and Ben Teke. Um, so, I can't ignore the fact that Gabby Agbonahor is our highest Premier League goal scorer. <clears throat> um, he's one of our own. Um, you know, it's just he warrants a place in there, regardless of what my opinion of him is. Uh, I, I have him at number two. Um, I have him at number two specifically for the fact that, uh, you know, like he he did it all for Philly. He could play up top on his own. There was a time he could. Um, like, I, I would love to have seen how his game could have morphed if, uh, like, like he was at his best when he was putting on that muscle and he was becoming that sprinter, striker type guy, um, that track and field guy that I mentioned, kind of like Tony Daly uh, was. And then Gerard Julia came in and Gerard Julia pissed off a lot of people and basically just told him he was fat and kind of, you know. he oh, he did, yeah. That 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 was kind of the beginning of the end for him, you know, which was a shame because I mean, Bonner, I think is only thirty three and he's not playing football now, and he should be playing football because it's not due to injuries, it's not due to anything else, it's literally just due to getting a bad rap from, you know, for no reason. I don't, I, yeah. I don't, I don't see what that was. For me, number two, uh, he scored so many goals. He was part of the most, uh, the most. Uh, one of the most exciting, I won't say the most successful, obviously, because it wasn't, but one of the more exciting times when we thought we could breach the gap between ourselves and the Champions League, and he's one of our own. So for me, he came in at number two. Um, who did you have at number two, Paddy? At number two, um, I, I was tempted to pick him at number one. He's one of my all-time favourites. Um, just absolute diamond of a guy. Brilliant footballer, great goal scorer. And it's Dion Dublin. Yeah. I'm disappointed I didn't I, I couldn't fit him in somewhere. I can definitely understand it. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't got him in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually shocked. Um Dion Dublin is just you know, he just epitomized that that great time of you know, uh, that period again leading up to um the final you know, Paul Merson. 
you know, the, it, it was just a magical time. I remember um, the day, if you recall, the Santa Claus came in and yeah. on a parachute and hit the yeah. top of the Trinity Road stand, 2-0 down at, uh, against Arsenal. <clears throat> and I was sitting in the North stand that day and we were due to get a flight back that night. And I was actually, the, the delay was that long. I was tempted to leave. And I said, you know what? I'll stick with it here. And we were 2 0 down, and they came out, and they were just, he was on fire that day, absolutely mm. on fire. We came back and beat them 3 2. It was just one of the best days I would have ever had. Um, like, the, like, I mean, the list goes on and on the, the amount of fantastic appearances he's had. Um, not only scoring goals, holding up the ball, and bringing other people into play to, to score goals. Um, didn't play too many games in, in the time he was there, you know, but you know, this, this is a guy that broke his neck, neck playing well, for us. Yeah. yeah. So um, I just think it was an absolute pleasure to have him. I think, you know, we got six good years out of him. Uh, probably the best he played in his career was for us. Mm. If, you, if, you, <laughs> if you take Cambridge, Cambridge United out of it, which would lower down when he, when he started, um, I, I think he played his best football for us without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, well, I, I think so. Um, even though he would have scored more goals for 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 Coventry, but uh, you know, he definitely did play. Yeah, like it, it's very difficult for me. I think um, that period, while obviously was was a great period of time, I think it was an oasis in in kind of the John Gregory years were finishing up, and then we had. The you know the, the years that were, that were to come afterwards that maybe weren't as glittering, um, but like I can like I don't have Merson, I don't have Dublin in my top fives, and I can completely see why they would be, and I, I and you know I kind of I'm not going to say I regret it, but I'm, the thing I do, I regret is that I don't have top sixes so that I could have them in there and talk about them because Dion Dublin gave me many is a good day, and um you know he's a great guy and uh, absolutely like he's he's just a top 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 kind of uh, even personality because you see him at homes under the hammer and uh, he just took to like a doctor well he's just a good guy he's a nice genuine smiley guy and and, and fair play to him and um, scored a load of goals for villa and um yeah looking at my list you know you could i should really be finding a way to shoot him shoehorn him in there but you know these guys the, that i have on the list for me had, had had a massive impact um and none more so than my number one player and i would imagine he's your number one player as well neither of the two of us have mentioned um it's up to you dwight york dwight york yes um for me probably the best value of a villa signing of all time and, and will probably be up there with nicholas and elke being signed by arsenal as one of the best value signings of guys that were plucked out of nowhere that actually went on to become like genuine footballing superstars because Dwight York was, as I mentioned, Dwight York was, he was like for him to leave Villa, the day he left Villa, I remember looking at it on teletext and I came up in teletext and I nearly <laughs> broke the remote. <laughs> That's where I found out that, that Dwight York left Villa because um, I wasn't going to get stung like I did with Dalian Atkinson. So I checked Teddy text every day that time. I didn't wait for match <laughs> magazine to come out. Um, but yeah, you know, look, what a, what a player. Uh, from scoring those little cheeky penalties um, in, in FA Cup games to just being an all-around electric striker. Once again, another guy played with a smile on his face. Um, just look, 
I don't want to go into too much into his personality and what he said about Villa and stuff like that afterwards and where he's kind of coming from about trying to actually campaign for a job at Villa and stuff um, since. Uh, but but the player, Dwight York, that played for Aston Villa during those years was just just imperiously fantastic you know he was a different breed and he was a different uh he, he had he just had a different skill set to anybody to play it at the time um you know him, he was great compliment himself and Savo Milosevic were fantastic and actually I've watched back a couple of those games recently and Savo Milosevic is an awful lot better player than I actually remember um <laughs> I've le- I've allowed his spitting incident to taint me and I I, I should mention him probably as an honorable mention here um, he probably yeah. would be in my top 10 because, like, looking back at games, he played, we lost the, that semi final that we lost to Liverpool uh, 3 0. Even though we lost 3 0, Savo ran the show for us up front and he was unlucky not yeah. to score a couple himself. But uh, Dwight York, we're talking about Dwight, uh, and definitely number one for me with O'Shadow, without the most complete striker I've seen play for Villa. Yeah, he's. Um... He's my number one. Obviously, I'm not going to throw any bombshells in here. He's. Uh, he you, was... don't, you mean Jordan Bowery isn't your number one? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, he he just you know he was just the find of the millennium for us. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time I saw him play at, at Tulka Park in 1991, which is he was just majestic. You know, obviously he was playing playing against Shelbourne so we absolutely ripped him to shreds but I remember thinking wow what a player this guy is going to be um, and true to it he was for all those years um, absolutely hated the fact he went to Man United mm. really really hurt me I absolutely despise Man United everything about them but the one thing that always sticks out that kind of softens it a little bit is the story Graham Taylor told about the morning of the Champions League final when he rang him and said, "Thanks very much. I'm about to play the game oh, of my life." Yeah, I just that. that one. That one just you know softened that a good bit when Graham Taylor told it. So, yeah, I he's without a shadow of a doubt my number one. Um, you know, there a few honourable mentions there that you can't help thinking. Would Robbie Keane be our number one if we just signed him when we were supposed to sign him back in 1998? Um, would Luke Nillis have gone on to be number one Luke if he didn't Nillis. have that horrific injury? Jeez, you know, that goal against Chelsea. Oh, oh it's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Dwight York had everything, even when, you know, when they tried to facilitate the likes of Tommy Johnson coming into the team and they're pushing York out on the wing, he was still brilliant. Mm. He, he had so much in his locker. He could beat a player, he could turn a player inside out, he could cross the ball. He was one of the most naturally gifted finishers you'll ever see. Um, you know, and prove that at Man United without a shadow of a doubt, you know, to to go on and win so many trophies. He was he was on that treble winning team in ninety-nine. So yeah. Yeah. Hard to hard to argue with the career he's had. Um we'll even forgive him the thirteen games that he played for Birmingham <laughs> City. Yeah. But uh needs to stop that campaign and about being villa manager because it's getting a bit embarrassing as you said. Needs yeah. to go out and uh, he needs to go out and do his badge, do his badges, and uh, uh, get a bit of experience somewhere, and then we come back and talk about it then. Yeah, like I, I'd have no problem if he wanted to come in and be involved in lower, lower, uh, like and work his way up. 
you know, through the ladder. Yeah. And, and come in. Not, I'm not saying lower leagues, but I'm saying, yeah, come in at Villa, be a coach, be like, be finishing coach, be be a strikers coach, maybe coach with the under twenty, the the under twenty threes, maybe coach with the under eighteens. But this this whole um, no, I want to come in as manager thing for me, it's. Um, Look, he may be a fantastic manager at some stage. I don't know. Has he managed any teams? Yeah. Did he crack off managing Trinidad and Tobago at some stage? You know, I don't think <laughs> I don't he did. Think he has, huh? No, but I think he did have some sort of role with them at one stage as a, um, you know, within our football association because obviously yeah. he's the, the, the best player that's ever played, best best athlete, I'd say that, bar maybe cricketers and stuff like that. And, and uh, maybe some some sprinters and stuff like that that have, that have come out of there. He's he's yeah. definitely the stadium is named after from there, isn't it? Yeah, I think it could. It could Dwight York be Stadium in in, uh, in Trinidad. So could be. Could be he's a he's an absolute hero in that country, and he, he'll forever be a hero here. And we'll try and overlook the fact that he went to Manu, but uh, yeah, and, very and, hard, and very as you mentioned as well, Paddy, I I kind of that's that's why I think. That's maybe why I did. I hated Ashley Young going to Man United, and that's why I would hate Jack Grealish going to United. It's not like I don't, I don't despise United. I, 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 I appreciate what they did for the Premier League at the time, and uh, and Fergie being a manager. I, I was frustrated by them about how good they were, but I was really pissed off about them when they signed Dwight York. I, I felt they didn't need to. They could have given someone else a chance. They hoovered up talent. That was the kind of the way that I felt about it. Um. But um, yeah, uh, as I say, like Jack Grealish, it would, it would sicken me if he went to United. But uh, and and I think it all would come back to the reason for that would be because it all stems from Dwight York going to Man United left such yeah, a sour yeah. taste. In, in, yeah, in, well, I just you know, there's there's financial fair play there for a reason. Yeah, and yeah. when you look at what they did throughout the years and what Chelsea did throughout the years after that. That's why financial fair play is there. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, for the life of me, I still can't see how it's fair play no. because they can still come in and uh, the likes of Chelsea taking uh, Timo Werner is it during the week? Well, I think I think yeah. with Chelsea, they like they they will obviously have have a pot to still spend because they didn't spend anything in the in the in the summer transfer in the last one, all. yeah. But uh, yeah, so like they probably still have their pocket money safe from that point. But that's that's a completely different podcast, Paddy. And the financial <laughs> fair play, and we get onto that. We, we hopefully we'll be able to talk about. Or we won't need to talk about really about financial fair play from a a point of view of um of the way we've been speaking about it previously. And we'll be able to talk about it from a Premier League point of view as opposed to looking at parachute payments and looking at how the EFL financial fair play differentiates mm-hmm. between the the Premier Leagues. And hopefully we will still be able to. Play with the big boys because we do have cash to spend. I think as uh, yeah. if we do stay up, but once again, that's for another conversation. So, Paddy, would it be fair to say that since we both agreed on Dwight York, he would be in there? Um, and of, I'm going to leave the call up to you because I, I'm going to, I'm going, I'm going to rest on you to make the right decision. Um, between Agbon Lahore and between Dion Dublin, do you think that we should have Christian Benteke? In there alongside Dwight York as uh, <laughs> as his strike partner. <laughs> oh, put the pressure on, why don't you? I have I have to go with my goat and pick the on Dublin. Oh, you're gonna go with Dublin, <sighs> <laughs> right? Okay, fair enough. 
your fault. You gave me you gave me the casting vote. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, at Villapetti for everybody that wants to hear about that one. <laughs> she wants um, to give me grief. Yeah. Look, there's a lot of people that wouldn't agree. You know, but no, there's some people do, wouldn't agree with Dwight York. Some, some people hope. wouldn't. No. Somehow I've, I've one friend that likes to f- conveniently forget that we ever had him because he dislikes him so much for going to, to Man U. But <laughs> what can you do? These these things are going to happen in football. Exactly. Um, a lot worse. A lot worse has happened at different clubs, you know. Exactly. Um, yeah. So. Well, there's a bombshell to end our uh, our team, <laughs> our, our best team since 1985. So we have Mark Bosnich in goals, uh, Mark Delaney, Olaf Melberg. Um, Paul McGrath and Steve Staunton give our, give us our back four. Uh, we have then in midfield we have Tony Daly uh, and left wing then is Jack Grealish with Ian Taylor and uh, Gordon Cowns uh, in the centre, uh, which has tasty tasty two lines so far. And then up front we have Dwight York and Dion Dublin. I think I'm, maybe I was a bit presumptuous by playing a four four two, but I think that just seems like the right formation for Aston Villa. For that period of time, I think um, so. Yeah. I think it's the right formation to play. Uh, but yeah, Dion Dublin and Dwight York up front, we wouldn't be short of goals. I think they'd be a nice partnership. <laughs> Obviously, look, there's going to be people who want Dyke Bonlohar in there. There's going to be people who want Barry in there. There's going to be people who want Milner in there. There's people who are going to want to have Ashley Young in there. There's people who are going to want to have um, Benteke in there. There's people who are going to want to have Martin Larson in there. There's people. You know, so there's there's tons of discussion points on it, and it's it seems easy when you're trying to do it out yourself, but when you actually try and reason it out uh, amongst reasons why you want to have certain players in certain positions, it actually becomes a bit more nuanced, and it goes down to gut feeling. So, um, yeah, so that's it. What we're going to do, guys, is we're going to wrap it up on that. You can follow us on at Mac for the Love of. You can follow Paddy on at Villa Paddy. Um, the podcast is the same. Share it out to all your friends. If there's people you know that aren't looking at it, aren't watching the, listening to the podcast, should I say so far, um, please let, uh, please let them know where to find it as well. And we're getting closer to the resumption of the Premier League. And all that's really left to say is up the villa. The villa. Hi, this is Matt Rogers. And this is Bowen Yang. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community.